you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to second or first Kings, first Kings, excuse me, first Kings chapter number 17. First Kings chapter number 17. And we're going to continue our lesson on the widow. I, I did actually have somebody lined up to do Sunday school and uh, through no fault of their own and, and unpreventable circumstances, uh, they're not able to be here. Brother Tom Tannis, uh, pray for their family. Uh, his wife's sister passed away about a week ago, and the funeral was planned for today. And they, they just, there's no, they couldn't control that. And I told them, look, you need to be with your family. Uh, that's important. And it was four hours away, so he just physically, there's no way he could make it. He felt really bad. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, I came back and I got ready. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to do the best we can with what we have and thank the Lord uh, that we're here. And I'll tell you what, I've been, um, I've been run ragged all week long. And, uh, but I, I tell you what, I still feel good. And, uh, and I tell you what, I also know that I'm not 20 anymore. Um, that's what I learned this week. You know, my mind sometimes says, you can do all this, and my body says, no, no, you can't. And so, uh, but I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to go. I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to meet those kids and, uh, boy, work with them. i tell you what. Sometimes we don't realize just how good we have it. This generation that's coming up, man, they're so, they're so messed up. The world is so, really, it's messed up. And our kids face things that I know as a teenager, I never, I never faced. Oh, I mean, I've seen drugs in my school, yeah, but I, I, that's, that's not even a fraction of some of the stuff that they're facing. And, uh, boy, we need to pray for them. Well, that's not the message this morning, but uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17, I want to look at the widow, really. 1 Kings chapter number 17, and we talked about Elijah the Tishbite. We talked about how he came in and he, uh, he gave the, uh, the, the proclamation to Ahab the king and how he had uh, given him the word of the Lord, really, and, and, and told him that God's judgment was going to fall on Israel. Then the next thing we know, we, we saw his waiting by the brook Cherith, how God had, after he told him to go to, to Ahab and to give him the word of God, he said, next I want you to go by the brook Cherith and I want you to wait there. And this morning we're going to look at the widow and uh, we're going to see the, uh, the, the widow in Elijah's life. First Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 8 Let's go start with verse number 7. We'll kind of piggyback off of the last lesson there. It says there, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. 
And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it and for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days." And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your many blessings in our life. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house, uh, gathered around your name and listening to your word. God, I pray that you would use me, speak through me. God, I pray that as we look at this widow, God, I, there are lessons that we need to learn, and God, I pray that you would uh, help us to learn these lessons, help us to see them ever so clearly in your word, Father, and we'll thank you for that. God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this widow and, uh, and a part of Elijah's life here, we find really that, I want you to notice this in our text that we read, that Elijah was facing a great crisis. Elijah was a great prophet of God. Sometimes we get in our minds and sometimes we get in our heads the idea that, hey, if I'm serving the Lord and if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then everything will go well, there'll be smooth sailing, and I won't hit any potholes along the way. Can I tell you that nothing is further from the truth? I remember when I first started out on deputation, I'd been out of Bible college and, and uh, graduated and married and uh, was getting ready to head to Peru. And, and man, I remember, uh, I remember potholes. I remember losing my job. I remember my car uh, blowing up and, and not having a vehicle. I remember going to meetings in a car that I borrowed that had bad tires uh, that were not even safe enough to drive on. I don't recommend it. I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, but, uh, but I'm just saying, uh, just because you are doing what God wants you to do and just because you are where God wants you to be does not mean there will not be difficulties and trials along the way. In Elijah's life, you look at him. He is where God told him to be. He is by the brook Cherith. But I want you to notice... The fact that God's judgment was on Israel meant that there would be hardship for Elijah just like everyone else. I was reminded of this verse. It says in Matthew 5.45, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just 
and on the unjust. And the opposite of that is true too, that he withholdeth the rain sometimes on the just because of the unjust and the wickedness that is in the day. And so Elijah, while he was there by the brook Cherith, God could have sent a little cloud that would have rained just over top of Elijah, but he did not do that because he had proclaimed judgment in the land of Israel, which meant there would be no rain or dew. And as he sat there, that, that, uh, that brook started to dry up and, uh, and, and God's judgment affected all of Israel, whether they were good or whether they were bad. And God's judgment fell. And God told uh, no, or Elijah excuse me, to go to, to Sidon, which was located uh, to the north on the Mediterranean Sea. I started thinking about that. I thought, man, what a terrible thing uh, to be in an absolute drought and have no crops and be parked right by water that is all full of salt and you can't use. I mean, you look out and you're thirsty as all get out. And there's a whole bunch of water out there, but you can't drink it. Your plants are drying on the ground, but you can't put that water on it. And uh, boy, what a, what a travesty, really. And, uh, and that's where he was. He was right there by the sea. And, uh, and I want you to notice, not only, not only Elijah, but I want you to notice that this widow would have felt the effects of God's judgment as well. Think about this. The Bible says here in verse number uh, 9, he says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, watch this, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God had already uh, spoken to the widow woman. God had already uh, said, hey, listen, there's a man of God coming. And I found that very interesting that God had already dealt in the heart of this widow woman. But I want you to notice as well that this widow woman was not free from the difficulty that fell on Elijah. They were, she was about 100 miles north. But even the land surrounding Israel was now suffering because of Israel's sin. And God's judgment proclaimed that there would be no rain meant that even in, uh, in, even in Zarephath and Sidon, which was a Phoenician area, uh, it didn't even rain there. They too were suffering a drought. And this widow woman would have been one of the very first uh, probably to feel the effects of that drought, not having the means to be able to store up or prepare or uh, have stuff set aside uh, for her needs. And so uh, she would have been one of the first ones. So both she and Elijah were put in a place that only God could help them. Isn't that awesome? You think about it. When we get put in a place that's hard and difficult, I don't like it. I'll be honest with you, I don't enjoy those times, but I look back and I say, man, I could see God working. Man, I could see God doing stuff in my life. And, and those times are hard to go through, but when you look back, you say, man, God was really working in my life. And so I want to look this morning at the widow, and uh, I want you to see the, uh, the perception of the duty for both Elijah and this widow woman. Uh, Elijah was, uh, how did they perceive what God wanted them to do? And that's very important. Uh, Elijah was very patient and very obedient to doing what God had, had asked him to do. We find in, in verse number one, God told Elijah, hey, go to Ahab and proclaim the judgment of God is going to be upon Israel. And he did that. And after he proclaimed all of that judgment, the Bible says then in verse number two, I believe it is, 
It says, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, get thee hence, in verse number 3. So we find after Elijah went to Ahab, and he, and he did what, what he wanted him to do, then God said, hey, I want you to go by the brook Cherith. And after he is at the brook Cherith for a while, uh, we find that, hey, it starts to, to, to dry up. I want you to notice that, that Elijah is step in step with God. Every step God asks him to take, Elijah is taking. And Elijah is following the absolute perfect will of God for his life. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, if you are alive and breathing, God wants to use you. Now, we all have different strengths. We all have different things that we can do. Uh, we're not all the same. We're all different, and praise the Lord for that. Could you imagine if we were all the same, and all the men came dressed in a, I'm, I'm wearing a gray suit and a blue shirt. Could you imagine if all the men came dressed in a gray suit and a blue shirt and a blue tie, and all the women came dressed in, I don't know, a, we'll just call it a red dress or a yellow dress, and, and, and we were all the same, and we all said, good morning, good morning. Well, how boring would this world be? I mean, that would be terrible. I don't think I could handle that. We're all different. We all have different, different abilities. We all have different strengths. I, I, I can lead music, but it's not my strength, to be honest with you. It's not my, uh, my, my greatest attribute. Uh, there's things that we can do, but hey, God wants to use what we can do, and God has a will for your life, and, he's got, and He knows where you're at in your life. He knows what stage it is. He knows in what place you are at. And he wants to be able to use you in a way that he can. So we have to understand what is the will of God. And we find here in, in the Bible that we perceive God's will or the duty that God would have us to do. First and foremost, it's in Scripture. He tells us. The Bible says there in verse number 8 and verse number 9, look with me in verse number 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And so God was very clear. He told him, Hey, Elijah, your time here is done, and I want you to get up, and I want you to go to Zarephath. Listen, the Scripture gives us very so clear uh, what we are to do with our life. I, I've already pointed out the fact that not just Elijah, but God also dealt with that widow woman and said, Hey, I've commanded you. Uh, there's a prophet of God that's coming, and I want you to take care of him. And so God has already orchestrated a hundred miles away in, in Zarephath, in Zidon, a widow woman, and Elijah is going to have to make his way there and find her and, and God is orchestrating these things. Listen, if we're sensitive to God's will, hey, great things will be accomplished. And uh, we need to know what God's will is. This week I was, uh, I was considered a guide at camp. And I was actually, there was two guides. We had eight, nine kids under us. And uh, my old counselor days kicked right back in. I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, three, six, nine, uh, three, six, eight. We're missing one. And you got to go find the one that's the lost sheep, you know, and go drag them back in. Hey, you're supposed to be over here with the group. Uh, but I was a guide. And, and what we did as a guide, you know what we did? Hey, we're heading, we're heading to, the, uh, uh, to the zip line. That's what we're going to do next. And we would tell them. 
uh, we, we would constantly reveal. We didn't give them too far out, but we would just say, hey, this is where we're going next. You need to go. You know, the word of God is a guide for our life. The Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hey, this book will guide our life and give us God's will through a very dark world. I've been, I've been in the woods before. I've been in darkness before. Um, but I was very much so reminded. One night, we, we'd go back to the cabin, the base camp, just three walls and a roof, didn't even have a, a face wall. And, uh, and we went back to the base camp, and, and we had to grab everything that we needed uh, because we were at the base camp, and we wouldn't get back there until after dark. It was almost every time uh, we'd leave around, I don't know, four-ish, and, and man, we'd add activities, and we would not get back to after dark. And, and this particular night, I forgot my flashlight. And, uh, and so, I, you know, here I'm, and all the kids are supposed to have flashlights too, but just keeping those kids going in the right direction uh, was was one thing, much less making sure they had everything they needed. And uh, and so here we are. We we went off. We were doing all the things, and and man, it got to be night. And and uh, and a couple of kids had flashlights, so I was glad about that. And uh, my other guide, he didn't have his flashlight, and I had forgotten my flashlight. And man, it was pretty dark. You got to walk down those trails, and in those trails, there's root stumps everywhere. And and uh, and boy, you're reminded really quick of how important it is to have light. Boy, if you wander around in spiritual darkness, boy, you'll trip, you'll stumble, you'll get off the path. You'll find it very difficult to bump your way through the, the, the treacherous path of life, spiritually speaking, if you do not have the light. And the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet, the Bible says, and a light unto my path. It will show us and the scripture will reveal to us the will of God. Living contrary to the word of God is not the will of God. So we have to be in step with what we already know that God has given us and live in accordance to the will of God. And so we find that we perceive God's will in scripture. I want you to notice this too. We perceive God, God's will, in season. That means on time. Look with me at verse number seven. The Bible says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain. I want you to notice this about the will of God. God is never late in determining his will. God's will is just as important to the timing of God's will. I was preaching, I don't know when, a while back in, in, a, in a chapel service, and, and, uh, and I gave this illustration. I said, I said, listen, I believe, I absolutely believe it is God's will for my daughter, Christina, to drive. You know Christina? She's only 13 years old. You've seen her. You know her. She's the young one that runs around here. I believe it's God's will for her to drive but I don't believe it's God's will for her to drive today. You see, timing is just as important. I don't say, well, Christina, I know it's God's will for you to drive, so here's the keys. You take the car, have a ball. Are you kidding me? That would be, she can't even reach the pedals for crying out loud. It's not time for her to drive. I don't tell her that it's God's will for her to drive because she doesn't need to know that yet. She's not even close. I don't even want her thinking about it. 
Because it's just not time. There's no way. Listen, sometimes we have got to wait for God to reveal his plan. And sometimes we're so busy looking out into the future that we can't see right here where our next step is going to be. As a guide, I was reminded this week, I used to, when my kids were younger, they would always ask me, we were traveling all the time, we are going here and going there, and they're, they're like, what are we doing tomorrow? And I would tell my kids all the time, you are on a as-to-need-no basis, and you don't need to know right now. Because I would tell them, hey, we're going we're gonna to drive here and we're going to go there, something might pop up. A pastor might call and say, hey, we need you to do this or whatever, or my schedule might change, or I might get a flat tire. Been there, done that a few times. And my schedule might get askew, it might get messed up, it might get off. And so I didn't tell them everything uh, because they didn't really need to know everything. And God doesn't tell us every step of the way because he wants us to trust him where we're at. Elijah was by the brook Cherith. Reread that verse again with me. Verse number seven. Look at what it says. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Many times I've read that and I've thought, boy, I could just imagine Elijah uh, as, it, as it gets down to a trickle. No, the Bible says here that it dried up. There was no water. Now, how long was Elijah like that? I don't know. I do know that you can live without water for a while. You don't have to have water, especially if you're not very active and, you're, and Elijah was just there by the brook Cherith. There was not many places for him to go. He had to stay hidden. He had to stay out of sight. He was not visiting other people. He was there by the brook Cherith. And, and the Bible says that it dried up. That means there was not a drop of water. And I'm sure as Elijah was there, he was scratching his head saying, okay, God, you know exactly where I'm at. You see that there's... Not a drop of water any longer in this creek bed. And how long are you going to let me wait? And I'm just waiting on you. Elijah was so patient to wait for God's will to come at God's timing. And we perceive in God's timing his will. Not only, not only Elijah by the brook Cherith, but I want you to notice this. The widow woman was down to her last meal. You go back and reread it. She said, hey, I've got enough that, that I've got enough oil and I've got enough flour that I'm going to make a little cake for my son and I that I may eat it and die. She didn't have, she was down to her last. And she was saying, God, um, you know, I, I'm waiting on your, your will and, and I'm waiting for you. And uh, listen, sometimes we want God to show us far out ahead. And listen, God's just saying, you need to trust me. I'm never late. I'm not going to show up late. I don't always show up on your time schedule, but I always show up on time. And God is always there. We need to perceive God's uh, will in His season on His time schedule. Then I want you to notice, thirdly, as far as the perception of God's will, the, that we perceive it in steps. Elijah's a wonderful example of this. I mean, he's just, every step, uh, he's just right there with God. God says, Go to Ahab and tell him this. And Elijah goes to Ahab and he tells him this. And it's almost like, okay, God, what do I do next? I didn't think about the next step. Um, I'm here and I've done, I've done that. And, and God tells Elijah, okay, now, now that you've done that, now that King Ahab is irate with you and, he, and he's reaching for his sword, go to the brook Cherith. 
And, and so Elijah then uh, zips out of there, and he goes to the brook Cherith, and he's by the brook Cherith, and, and, and of course the raven's bringing him the food, and it was the whole time of waiting there, and, uh, and of course the, br- the, the brook is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and Elijah's saying, okay, God, I know you're gonna, I'm not, I am not moving until I got God's word, and I know what I'm supposed to do. Boy, the tenacity of Elijah. What a wonderful lesson. And, and he perceived it in steps. And God said, after the brook dried up, he said, okay, arise and go to Zarephath. And we find that he did. He left. And, and we perceive it in steps. And, uh, and boy, the, the step after step after step. Uh, F.B. Meyer says this, God's servants must learn to take one step at a time. God does not give all the directions at once lest we should get confused. He tells us just as much as we can remember to do, then we must look to Him for more. And so we learn by easy stages the sublime habits of obedience and trust. In camp, I was reminded of of those kids, you don't give them the next step. They don't need to know. They might not like the next activity. They might drag their heels all the way through this activity because they don't even want to go to the next activity. So you just give them one step. And they're like, hey, can I see the whole schedule? No, sorry. It might change. This is what we're doing right now, and I'll let you know what the next step is. And we go step by step. God's, God does that. And the light, listen, my little headlamp was terrible, by the way. I probably need to get new batteries. But uh, I, I would look down, and I had a second flashlight. My second flashlight was awesome. I mean, it was better than anything. It wasn't even that big. But I had my little headlamp, and, you know, you can only see right there. Um, even with my other headlight, uh, you know, you can only shine it so far. And, and, and I could, that, that, other, that other little uh, flashlight was awesome. You could shine it out farther ahead. But if you shine it out farther ahead, you can't see what's immediately at your feet. And it will cause you problems and it will cause you to stumble. Hey, we need to trust God that he's giving us the nec- the enough light for the next step that we're going to take. That's all God needs to show us. And we need to learn to trust him and, and depend upon him. We're talking about the perception of the duty. I want you to notice as well the priorities of the duty. Look with me at the priorities. This is important. God's will must be the top priority of our life. Uh, It's so important. We live in a very busy day where priorities of God is often pushed aside and, and sports and family gatherings and many other things get in the way of doing God's will. And it's so important to prioritize God. Uh, Oftentimes, I've heard this said, oftentimes we have every reason, excuse for missing church. Hey, listen, let church be your reason for missing everything else. Um, There's so many things that get in the way. And, And listen, our priorities have got to be God over everything else. That's so crystal clear in this passage. Look with me in in. Uh, as we look at this, we see the duty has priority. God's will has priority over situations. Think about this. It was dangerous for Elijah to leave the brook Cherith. God told him there in verse number 8, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. It was over a hundred mile trip. And he did not just jump in a bus at night and go under the cover of darkness. He was, he was traveling on foot. And 100 miles is a long way. We took a, uh, 
uh, I've been on a backpacking trip before and we did, I think it was um, 26 or 30 miles uh, on that backpacking trip, not this trip, praise the Lord for that. I don't think I could have done that, but, uh, but I've done that before. And listen, we only walked about 12 or 13 miles a day. And so you're talking 100 miles uh, at best. Uh, boy, you're thinking, boy, Elijah, let's just call it 10 miles a day, make it easy math. Uh, you're talking 10 days he would have been traveling. It was not easy for him to go from point A to point B. Besides the fact, I want you to think about this, Elijah was the most wanted fugitive in all of Israel. I mean, there was a price on his head. Uh, the king was irate and sent people throughout the entire kingdom to look for Elijah. And so uh, I'm saying this, that duty has priority over situations. Was it dangerous for Elijah to leave the brook Cherith and to travel for, to Zarephath? Yes, it was dangerous. Most certainly. But God clearly said, go to Zarephath. And so Elijah prioritized God's will over his own safety. I already said this, it was dangerous, but it was distant. It was 100 miles on foot uh, with no provision, scarcity of water, and as a fugitive staying away from people, Elijah had to get up and go, and, and he had to be careful. And it wasn't just like, well, you know, 10 miles, and uh, man, I'll stop and I'll get some more water on the way. Uh, you know, there's a gas station, I'll just pick up a Gatorade, and, uh, and it'll be okay, a nice cold Gatorade. No, there wasn't any of that. There were no conveniences. Matter of fact, uh, any rivers or streams that he, were probably small and probably muddy and probably very well populated. And so Elijah was put in a very difficult position uh, that was, was not easy. Uh, and sometimes, well, man, it is too hard to serve the Lord. Listen, Elijah had it difficult. The distance, it was dangerous. I want you to notice this as well about duty over priority, uh, it, was, it was a desperate situation for this widow woman. She had, I had already pointed out, hey, she was down to her last bit of oil, her last bit of flour. It was a desperate situation, and God comes and says, hey, I want you to prepare for the man of God first. It was a desperate situation. And God was saying, you put your priorities and yourself behind what God's will is. And duty, or the will of God, has priority over situations in our life. Duty has priority over self in our life. Her selflessness. We're prone. I was reminded this week of how very selfish and, and self-centered by nature we are. We don't think of other people. The kids in our cabin, they don't think of other people. They didn't. Matter of fact, there was uh, several times that, uh, that, a, that a kid would get in trouble and it would cause uh, the whole cabin to get in trouble. And, uh, and, and several times uh, the week before, I, I remember very distinctly that when I showed up, uh, that they had, uh, they had on registration day, because these guys had stayed over the weekend, they're on a 20-day program, and, and so they had to go out to registration because there was nothing else for them to do. And so uh, because they had been bad, they all had to carry their, their, their packs on their back all the way out to registration. It was only a mile or so, and then all the way back. Why? Because somebody was bad. And they realized, oh, you know, um, they realized what they were learning was 
my actions are affecting other people. And you know what that means? Those other people aren't going to like you very much. That's what we kept telling them. You need to realize what you do something, it negatively affects other people. And those other people need to help you not do bad. And you need to help realize that. Boy, I realize how self-centered a lot of people are. And, uh, and boy, we can be so self-centered in our own life. Uh, and it's something that we can say, well, you know, uh, I, I don't have any extra. I got all my needs, but I don't, I don't have any extra. And, and God wasn't saying, hey, uh, to this widow woman, you know, you set aside everything that you need and then the extra I want you to give it to God. No, God told the widow woman, you take what you need and you give that to God. Wow, what an incredible uh, request at God, putting God's will as priority over self. Elijah exemplifies this as well in his passage and then also uh, that the will of God has priority over our own sense. Sometimes God says, hey, I want you to do something that does not make sense to us. I love this verse and I hate this verse all at the same time. I love the first phrase. I don't like the second phrase. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know the verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Well, I love that part. That's easy. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. The part I don't like and lean not unto thine own understanding. I like to understand. I like things to make sense. But sometimes the things that God asks do not make sense, but he wants us to trust him. It didn't make sense for the widow to take of her own food, of her own portion, of the last of it, and give it to God first. It didn't make sense for Elijah to leave the brook Cherith and, and to go out in a dangerous journey a hundred miles away to another town uh, that, that, that actually, uh, I didn't even mention this, I know I had it in my new notes, that Zarephath was the top place of Baal worship. It was walking into the enemy's backyard. It was walking into the place where, where Baal worship was accentuated. You don't think that Elijah was recognized as an enemy of Baal worship? He just denounced Ahab because of that. And so he was walking. It was a very dangerous thing. Uh, and, and it didn't make sense for, for Elijah to go to Zarephath. I'm sure he said, God, did, did I hear that right? Zarephath? God said, Zarephath. Okay. Well, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And he went. It didn't make sense. Some of the things that God asks us doesn't make sense, but God asks us to do what he, want us, what he wants us to do and prioritize God over everything else. God has got to have priority. We see the, we see the uh, perception of God's will. We see the priority that has got to take place. But I want you lastly to see this. And I gotta, I gotta burn through these, but there are premiums for doing God's will. There's prizes, there's rewards, there is blessings in our life. I want you to notice the uh, the providence of God. You know, we see this verse, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to His purpose. Sometimes we quote that whenever thing falls apart and when everything goes wrong. Can I just say this this morning? Not for every tragedy that comes our way is that verse applicable. Sometimes we mess things up and we're not doing God's will and we're not following God. 
And, and then we like to console ourselves with that verse. But that verse very clearly says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And then there's a comma and it continues, to them who are called according to his purpose. You know what that last phrase means? For those who are living in the will of God and following God for their life. If you're not following God's will for your life, then, then you can expect tragedy. We just talked about Jonah. Was Jonah in God's will when he went down and bought a, a ticket to go to the other town that was the opposite way? No. When God sent that storm on the boat, he could have consoled himself. He was a modern-day Christian. Well, all things will work together for, for good to them that love God. But he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. And what I'm saying is we've got to be careful about taking those things for ourselves when we're not doing what God wants us to do. And listen, uh, the providence of God is for those who are following God. And because Elijah was following God, boy, he could claim that. It wasn't written yet, but he could certainly console himself. Hey, I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. I know that I am right where God wants me to be. Uh, not only the providence of God, but I want you to notice the power of God as well. Elijah witnessed God's power firsthand. One of the most exciting prophets in the Bible is Elijah. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle. The fact that he was sitting there by the brook Cherith, and the, I would love to see ravens drop off food. I just would. I, I was in the wilderness, and man, we ate great. They had good food down there. Praise the Lord for that. But I would just love just to have, man, see ravens come in. I mean, that'd be kind of awesome, don't you think? Uh, to have food dropped off by the ravens every day. Elijah witnessed the very power of God, not just in the, uh, the raven that would drop off the food, but also in this widow woman, the fact that, hey, she would take the last of her provisions and provide for God's man first and for God first ultimately and say, hey, I'm going to do what God wants me to do and, and, and then see the power of God as he continually supplied. Uh, what an incredible thing to witness the power of God. And I want to say this this morning, that listen, you will never witness the power of God personally in your life if you don't prioritize God first. God has got to be first in your life. He's got to take the priority. Uh, our, our good friend, Brother Scott Pauley, says this, that we all want the produce without the work. In other words, hey, we want the fruit of what comes out of the garden, but we don't want to put the labor in to water that seed, to plant the seed, to turn the dirt over, to pull the weeds, to care for it, for it to come up. Hey, we have got to work on our Christian life in order to witness the very power of God at work in our life. And, uh, and here it is very evident because of the will of God, the perception and following God's will and obeying God's will step by step, and then the, uh, um, the prioritizing of God, we find that God rewarded them and blessed them by they were able to witness the very power of God in their life. This widow witnessed the power of God in her life. Look with me in verse number 14. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, every day. I don't think she went back to that cruise of oil and it was full. I think every day she poured out the last bit. 
And every day she got that last bit of flour and, and she got it out. And, and, and she's thinking, man, I, I know yesterday I used it all. And she'd go back and she'd pour it out again. This is unbelievable. I know I used that all. She gets the flour, pours it out. I, I know there was no more in there yesterday. And she makes her cake and she's, man, praise the Lord. What a wonderful God. She goes and makes the cake and, and serves them. And, and then she's going back and, you know, it was an act of faith to go back again and say, you know what? I know I used it all, but God said he's, gonna, he's got the power to be able to do this. And she'd go back and he would supply many days, day and day and day and day again. And God provided and they witnessed the very power of God and they witnessed the very, uh, lastly, the provision of God. God sustained them, not their wisdom, not their self-sufficiency, not their stash of supplies, but it was God that provided for them. Listen, he'll provide for us and he'll take care of us if we prioritize God, if we perceive His will, then there's premiums that, listen, they're far better than anything that we can do for ourselves. I've witnessed God blessing in my life over and over and over and over again. And I can tell you something, I'd rather have God's riches than what I can do for myself. Because God does better than I do. And there's just that element of God's blessing on our life that we want. We look at the widow this week. What a blessing to see how God provided and how she prioritized and how they, they did and perceived the will of God. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we'll just have a short invitation. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this wonderful story, very true story, historical fact. God, of you providing for Elijah, of you providing for this widow woman, and God, your miracles never cease to amaze me. What a great God you are. What a, what a great decision that Elijah and this widow woman made to prioritize you in their life to the very most important and first place thing to do what you would have them to do. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen us to prioritize your will in our life. Help us. God, what a blessing to see your premiums your blessings, your reward to those that diligently, the Bible says, seek you. I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the music begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. You can pray there in your seat. Maybe you just want to thank the Lord that you've got to see some of the, the blessings of God in your life. That you've witnessed God moving in your life. Maybe you say, man, I, I've not, but Boy, I want to. Hey, you can. You can today. You just have to prioritize God. And God will lead you and God will direct you and God will help you and, and He will reward and bless your life. As the piano plays, the altar is open.
invitation to a close. And again, I appreciate your faithfulness. I went a little bit long. I did not anticipate doing that, but we have a few minutes. You can hit the restrooms and do what you need to do and smile at somebody. Tell